Hey, thanks for joining us this week. If you'd like to connect with us or find video teachings and live streams, we are New Life AG Elmira over on Facebook and YouTube. And now let's join Pastor Mark for this week's sermon titled, Follow Me. Like I said a month ago, I, I began a series on the importance of following Jesus, especially in these days that we live in. It's vital that we do it. If we don't follow Jesus, typically we fall into some different categories. One of the things that I brought out, sometimes we, we expect Jesus to follow us. No, not me. But there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that expect Jesus to be there when they need Him. They don't want to follow Jesus. They don't want to do what He wants them to do. But they want Him to be there when they're in trouble. They need an in-case-of-emergency Jesus. That's what they're looking for, but that's not who He is. He's not that. So we're going to talk today a little bit. You can open uh, to Mark chapter 8. We're going to be preaching from there. You can always tell when, uh, the, when I enjoyed the worship, and I really enjoyed the worship, because my voice will uh, act up on me. <laughs> I get a yelling and screaming in, in worship, so that's a good thing, amen? Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 27. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, and some say Elijah. And others, uh, one of the prophets, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Just like the song said, your word cannot be shaken. It's immovable. Lord, we can't change it with the times. Your word is timeless, just as you are. Lord, we thank you uh, that your word gives life to us. Lord, we pray you bless it. Lord, help us to learn to follow you better, to truly be disciples of you, Lord God, rather than pretending everything's okay and just making you uh, follow us at times expecting you to be there when we, in case of emergency. So Lord, we ask that you would burn within us your word. Let it be a fire in our bones, just like that song says, just like the prophet said. So Lord, bless our time in your word today as we open it. Let it be living bread to us. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Now, just like he quizzed the, the disciples here, said, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, one of the prophets, maybe John the Baptist, uh, you know, Elijah, uh, so many things out there. Now, if Jesus was just a prophet, if he was just a teacher, you could give or take following him. 
He's just another rabbi. Uh, it would be good enough to just listen to him on Sunday morning, uh, you know, uh, like you do your pastors or special occasions. And, uh, but, but hopefully you're not following us. Uh, we're not the ones to follow. Uh, Jesus is the one to follow. Uh, so it's good enough for you just to, uh, you know, take in what is your church and to apply the things that you're taught. And that's good enough. That's great. And, and that's what was being said here. Well, there's a lot of people that are following, crowds of people who are following Jesus, weren't they? And a lot of them thought this. Well, he's a great teacher. I love listening to him. And... Uh, <laughs> And all of that stuff. And that's why he asked these ones, these close ones that were following him, that had given up everything to follow him. He said, but who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter jumps the gun and he jumps right out there. But it was on the heart of every of the other, I guarantee, on all of their hearts. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You are Messiah. That's who you are. We know who you are. And it's really interesting to know uh, that we can be a fringe believer or we can be one that truly follows Jesus and understands why he came and the purpose he came. He is the Christ. He is the one that brings salvation to us. It's understanding our belief in knowing who he is is critical in order for you to have salvation. You need to know who he is. He wasn't just a nice guy who did a nice thing. He's the son of God who took on flesh and laid down his life for the sins of the whole world. That's the base level of understanding. Once we know who he is and what he did for us, we receive him as our savior. And, and we begin a journey from that point on. And this is what it is to follow Jesus. That's a beginning step. It's not the end. Yes, your sins are washed away. Yes, if you were to die that day, you would go to heaven to be with Jesus. It's vitally important that we understand the purpose and the call and the power of the blood of Jesus. But there's so much more that he has for us. There's so much more that he has for you, uh, that he wants for you. You see, there's inheritance. There's things that God wants to pour into us as we embrace Him and understand Him. And even like our family, kind of a generational pass down, I came out of a Christian home. Uh, uh, George, oh, that's right, he's working kids' church. Uh, George uh, was raised in a Christian environment. Uh, didn't start out that way, but it eventually was, uh, where he met the Lord and knew the Lord. And so he knew the Lord before he came to Elmira. He was directed by God, I believe, to come here. So you can see the benefits of not just receiving him as Savior, but listening to his voice and following him. Going deeper than just, whew, thanks Jesus. You became my, in case of emergency, Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to know you. Uh, but, but it didn't go any further than that. So it's vital that we understand. It's mandatory for salvation to believe that he's the Christ. Turn to Acts 16 really quick. Just one verse here. 
This is Paul and Silas ministering to the jailer. In verse 31 it says, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. Salvation is a very simple step if we believe who He is and understand who He is and receive Him as such, as Savior and Lord. It's vital that we do that. Let's go back to Mark. Mark chapter 8. You want to keep your finger there because we're going to be going through the Scripture, but this is going to be our main text. We're going to take you all the way through the rest of it. Verse 31 through 33. And he began to teach them. This is after they proclaimed him as Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man, talking about Himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him. But when He had turned around and looked at His disciples, He rebuked Peter saying, so he got rebuked by Peter, then he turned around and rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. To be a follower of the Son of Man is to believe and then to obey His Word. To believe Him and then to obey Him and to walk with Him, to follow Him, and to believe His words. Now, Peter had an issue with his words. He was saying, uh, no, I don't agree with that. And that's a sad state to be in because a lot of Christians are in that way. They pick and choose what they want to believe. We pick and choose that, yes, I believe you're the Son of God. Yes, I thank you that you're my healer, my sustainer, my deliverer, all of those wonderful things. But, no, I don't agree with that. And so Peter opens his mouth and rebukes Jesus. No. Don't be saying that stuff. And Jesus has to turn around and rebuke him. It's vitally important that we are aware that every word of this book, every word that you read in the Gospels, in the red letters, is the truth, is the Word of God, cannot be altered, cannot be changed. What Jesus said, and Jesus said a lot of hard things, He said a lot of things that confused people and got them scratching their head and saying, huh, did he just say that? But if he is the Christ, if he is the Son of God, if he is the living Word of God, then everything that he says is truth. And we have to receive it and believe it. Now, you may not understand it completely at the moment that you read it or heard it, That's why we need to investigate it, because it's truth. Oh, if that's truth, I need to figure out how that applies to me. (laughs) This had to be a hard thing for the disciples to hear, that Jesus was going to die, he's going to be crucified, all of these things. He He told them this many times through their walk. And it's important that we recognize that they didn't really accept it. We see the reasoning after he died on the cross, they scattered. They didn't listen and heed what he said. 
And uh, so it's important that we listen and heed to the Word of God. Whether it's a hard word or an easy word, it doesn't matter. We need to listen to it and understand this is truth. And even though it rubs me the wrong way right now, I've got to figure this out because this is the Word of God. Doesn't matter what I believe. Doesn't matter my opinion. Guess what? Your opinion doesn't matter. (laughs) That's a hard saying, isn't it? That's a hard thing to hear, but it's the truth. Your opinion doesn't matter. All that matters is what God says. He has a purpose and a plan for us where we'll receive hard words, and it will be difficult. But as you press in, it'll be good. It'll be blessed. We can't pick and choose. Or we call him a liar, basically. You're calling, no, Jesus, you're a liar. That's not true. I, I hate that word even coming out of my mouth right just then. I got a chill right there. I, yeah, no, he's not. He's truth. He is truth. He is, uh, obedience is essential in this. You see, we make him Savior, but it's vital that we make him the Lord of our lives. The Lord, the ruler over every aspect of our lives. You see, that's the importance of raising our children to fear the Lord. Just like George and and Angela raising their two girls to fear the Lord and reaping the benefits of those things. It's vitally important. See, curse can come going back two or three generations, the Word of God says. But blessing can come to a thousand generations. You have the opportunity. Maybe you haven't started out well. Maybe you haven't done it right, right now. But if you begin to release blessing and and the truth of the Word of God into your children and for them to begin to learn how to fear the Lord and revere the Lord, that'll reap blessings for you. Believe me, I know. I'm experiencing that right now. And uh, the blessings that come uh, from being faithful to the Lord and raising our children in the things of God is vitally important. Maybe, maybe you haven't done it thus far, but begin it now. Don't put it off. Don't say, oh, it's too late. They're already a teenager. They're already something. Uh, it's not too late. As you press into God, as you make Him the Lord of your life, it can rub off on you to your children. Isaiah 55. Keep your finger in Mark 8. (laughs) Isaiah 55. Let's read verse 7 as well. Uh, Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I love that. Verse 8, For my thoughts, God says to us, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's why we can take this word, and this is truth, My opinion doesn't matter. 
My opinion doesn't count in the way I want to raise my kid. My opinion doesn't count in my marriage. His way is the only way that breeds success and goodness and blessings that can be passed on to generations. Grandparents, bless your grandkids. Maybe they're not being raised in a Christian environment. You have the opportunity, grandma and grandpa, of pouring good things into your grandchildren. Don't put it off. Don't allow them just to veg in your presence and do what the rest of the kids in the world are doing, playing video games and all this stuff. Nothing wrong with allowing them to do those things, but they need to understand that there's a God in heaven that loves them and cares for them. And he has a plan for their lives. The opportunity for you to pour healing into your grandkids and your children. Like I said, maybe you didn't start out as a believer raising your kids, but you are now, so let's get it done. Let's break the curse off from them. Let's break the the damage that's been done and bring healing into their little hearts and minds and spirits so that they can begin to follow the Lord. Look up to you and say, wow, why why do you pray before we eat, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad? And you get to explain why. Maybe they've never seen that before. And praying over them every chance you get. Reading them the Word of God. Bible stories. So many things that you can pour in. Don't think it's too late. Don't think it's, it's past time to do those things. Obedience must lead to a trust in the Lord. <laughs> if you remember back the first of the year, that's been our, that was our theme. Trust in the Lord. It was what the Lord gave us to share with you uh, through uh, our, our time in His presence before the end of last year uh, in our vision retreat. And it was trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord this year. Remember, I preached quite a bit out of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. That's the key to success in life. My opinion doesn't matter. If He's the Lord of all, and I make Him the Lord of my life, then all I want to do is follow Him and do what He says. My plans don't matter. My stuff doesn't matter. Remember, uh, the last time I preached this, we looked at what the calling of Peter and Andrew and James and John uh, called to be, uh, they were lifetime fishermen. They were generational fishermen. God said, come, follow me. It says they left their nets and followed him. He said, I'm going I'm to change your directive. I'm going to make you fishers of men. The power of listening and obeying the Lord. That was their livelihood. That's what they knew from their parents and their parents before them probably. But God switched it up and changed it around because he has a greater venture for us than anybody else could. That any great job that's out there that pays you a gazillion dollars, he has a much better plan than your company might have for you. It might be still working in that, but it might be something different. You don't know. 
You know, the plans that we have, we got to make sure our children understand this as they're in those developmental years, just like Addie, in that place where eventually she's going to decide what she wants to be when she grows up. <laughs> and the Lord needs to be involved in that decision, amen? He has to be. He has to be involved in that decision. So trust in the Lord. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. His Word is true. His ways are higher to His Word. We must stand strong in His Word. His Word will navigate us through this season of life leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. Leading up to Him catching His bride away. You understand that if you make Him the Lord of your life, you're instantly a bride. And all the guys said, <laughs> that sounds strange, doesn't it? But you are, men. The picture of him being the bridegroom. We have the opportunity of submitting ourselves to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. He, uh, and, and that's one of the next things on the calendar is the marriage supper of the Lamb. He's going to catch his bride away. He's going to pull us off from this planet. And it could happen at any time. It could happen today, for heaven's sakes. And we're going to be ushered into his presence. And all hell is going to break out on the earth. But we're going to be involved in a marriage celebration, which will be awesome. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Follow Jesus. Trust in him. Back to Mark chapter 8. Verse 34 and 35. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whatever desire, uh, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Again, these hard words that Jesus says that can rub us the wrong way, that can make us think, huh? What does that mean? What is that all about? You see, this is a commitment. <laughs> but we have to have, what does it say there? Whoever desires... Whoever desires to come after me. Is that desire in you to follow Jesus? You see, some people don't have that. They have the desire to get saved. They don't want to go to hell. But the desire to follow Jesus is vital in these days that we live in. For you to follow Jesus. To commit your ways to the Lord. Every aspect of your life. To be consumed with Jesus and what he has planned for you. Believe on Jesus for salvation. It's a wonderful starting place, but the call is to follow Him completely. That word desire there, whoever desires, in the Greek, uh, it, some other definitions of it, to choose to. Someone who is willing to follow Jesus. You're choosing to follow Him. You're willing to follow Him. You desire to follow Him. 
that need that desire we all know what desire is don't we if you desire something typically you go after it typically nothing will hold you back remember those years of dating married couples and remember those times when you couldn't live without getting on the phone 25 times a day and talking to that person remember that pursuit that was in you for for that one you knew they were the one so there was a pursuit in your heart there was a desire to connect you were choosing to so we need to understand that 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 god number one and you can put number one it takes desire first if you're taking notes number one it takes desire first a lot of people are done right here whoa some of the things that jesus is saying taking up my cross whoa whoa wait whoa i didn't sign up for that i like heaven i, I want heaven i want my sins forgiven but what does that mean you see the desire is to follow him whoever desires to come after me number 2 deny yourself number 2 deny yourself it takes humility pride comes before the fall it takes humility in us to submit to Jesus Christ as the king of kings and the lord of lords of my life I make you the Lord of my life. We can frivolously say that, but do we actually mean it? Are we making him the Lord of all of our life? That's the key to victory, to joy, to peace, uh, to, to powerful things happening into your life. Me and Pastor Paul always talk about the adventure of serving Jesus Christ. It's an adventure if you make him the Lord of your life. He'll begin to direct you and lead you if you're willing to be led and directed by him. It's vital that you do that. It's critical that you do that. Deny yourself. Humility is essential in this. Laying down your will, your wants, your wishes, and saying, okay, God, you direct me. You guide me. You see, when I got born again at the age of 15, and uh, when did you get baptized? You were, you were young. You were like six or so, somewhere in that. Because she accepted, she knew what she was doing. She accepted Christ at a very young age. Typically, we're, oh, I don't want to baptize them that young, but she knew what, what she wanted. She knew Jesus and wanted to be baptized in water. So uh, I remember that day clearly. We, she was baptized uh, since she believed. <laughs> and that's the critical part of that. So it's important that we recognize the importance of humbling ourselves. It's essential. It's yielding to him and saying, not my will, but yours, God. I give myself to you. Number three, take up your cross. Take up your cross. That's a hard thing to say because we know the cross that Jesus carried. All of a sudden I'm saying, uh, wait a minute here. The cool part about taking up our cross, the cross that Christ gives us, is that he already carried the weight of it himself. He already bore the weight of the cross himself. But he wants us to receive 
his burden that he wants to place on us. He wants to burden us with something. But it's not a weighty thing because he already bore the weight of it. He just wants us to be committed, just like Angela at an early age had a love for babies and a despise for abortion because she had a friend her same age, like, I, like I'm saying, young teenager, she had a, friend, a very close friend. She used to come over the house all the time. She got pregnant. Mom and dad said, you got to abort that thing. you got to get rid of that. Angela pressed her, said, no, 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 you can't. We even offered to her, if mom and dad are going to kick you out of the house, you have a place to stay, and we'll help you raise that baby. And uh, that's where it started <laughs> with Angela. It was birthed in her. What she's doing now was birthed at a young teenage age to step into the things of God. Allow God to birth things in your children. Allow him, lay hands on them. God, call them at an early age. God, work in them. Prepare them for the, for the mission that you have for them. It's vital. Take up your cross. What burden or calling does Jesus want us to carry today? What is the burden? You can continue to throw your life away doing what you want to do and this and that and the other thing. Not that he's going to take all that stuff away from you. Very rarely does that happen. Some people get called to be a missionary to Africa. I understand that. But, but most of the time, not everybody's called to that. A lot of times you don't have to change your vocation. A lot of times you don't have to do certain things. But when God births something in you, it should, it should be a no-brainer. He's begin, going to begin to develop something in you. So take up your cross. What's the burden that he's placed on you? Turn to Matthew 11. Keep your finger there. <laughs> Familiar words that we've heard many times. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That sounds so nice, doesn't it? Got all these problems I'm carrying at work and at home. There's all this turmoil going on all around me. Jesus said, come to me. Bring them to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he says something that doesn't make sense. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Okay, I was just trying to get rid of yokes, and you're telling me to get yoked again. <laughs> he says, take my, my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, when he's already carried it on the cross, when he's already done the heavy lifting for you, when he gives you a vision or a mission or a purpose in your life, he's already carried it. So it's, it's light, it's easy. Why? Because he's walking ahead of you in it. If you're following Jesus, where is he? He's right there in front of me. He's not behind me. He's not over somewhere in the corner 
playing Monopoly or something. He's right there ahead of me, and I'm following him. I'm listening and heeding his voice. I'm heeding his word. It's vital that we do these things in this life, especially in the times that we're headed into, that we're already into, but that we're headed into in the days ahead, especially for your sons and your daughters. Grandchildren, follow me. Take my yoke upon you. The cool thing about a yoke is that it's tied to two people. Jesus isn't saying, here's, here's a yoke. Put it, you do all the work. No, he's yoked with you. He's going before you. So he's directing you through whatever field you're preparing uh, you know, to grow crops in. You see, everything is about bearing fruit in the kingdom of God. It's all about bearing fruit. If we're not bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, uh, we're not going to have much of a reward when we get to heaven because he expects us to bear much fruit. And so it takes this dedication, this submission to him, this understanding that he has a plan for us. And I love what it says next. And learn from me. How do you learn from him? Digging into his word spending time in prayer, spending time in worship to Him, getting to know Him in a deeper way every day. I've been serving the Lord for over 50 years, and every day there's new things that He reveals to me. I read the, I've read through this book, I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible, but every time I read something that I've read 50 times before, there's fresh anointing on it. There's fresh vision, fresh word that comes out of it. Don't tell me that, that you can't read, sit down and read the word. Oh, it's so boring. I fall asleep and all of this. You haven't really yielded yourself to God then. You haven't said, Lord, you feed me. Feed me today from your word. This is bread to me. Yeah, I might, might uh, have a bowl of cereal later on, but right now I want you to feed me. I want your, your bread to feed me. It's vitally important that we do that, folks. Learn of me. Learn from me. Uh, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. You see, what do we want to learn from him? To be gentle and lowly in heart. Submissive. Yielded to him and his voice. You see, if he was gentle and lowly in heart, submitted to the Father, we need to be gentle and lowly in heart to submit to his will and his directives. Not my will, but yours be done. Amen? That needs to be the goal in all of these things. Number four, follow me. Number four, follow me. Going back to uh, Mark 8. To follow Jesus is to know His Word. It's to know His voice. John 10. Keep your finger there again. <laughs> John 10, uh, 27 and 28 says, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And I give, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Who cannot be snatched out of his hands? The ones that are following. The ones that are following. If you're drifted off somewhere else, out from underneath his protection and his covering, if you've drifted off into something else, uh, we wonder why, oh God, why is this happening to me? Because we're not close to him. We're not following him. It's vital, folks. In every part of your life, in everyday living, we need to do these things. So to follow Jesus is to know his word, to study his word, uh, to hear his voice, uh, in our prayer times, do you know the voice of God? Do you know that still small voice that will speak inside of you and direct you here or there? It's vital that we find it out. So to know his voice and to obey, and to obey him, it's critical. Then it goes on to another strange verse, verse 35. Uh, how do we save our lives? How do we save our lives? It says here, by losing it. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Okay? Uh, there's that word desire. It's the same desire. It's the same word that, that means to uh, choose to or is willing to. If you're willing to save your own life, if you're choosing to save your own life, Jesus says you're going to lose it. If you want to do this on your own, go for it. Go for it. But if you're willing, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel, for my sake and the gospel will save it. There's nothing like knowing that you're saved. There's nothing like the confidence of knowing that you're following Jesus and that I'm safe. Nothing can snatch me out of his hands. I'm saved, just like it says there. I love, I love the way that, uh, that lays that out. Whoever loses his life, for who? For his sake, for Jesus' sake. Jesus, I'm going to give up my wants and wishes for your wants and wishes in my life because yours are always better because I saved my life then and, and uh, good things will come from that by, by me giving up and losing my, my plans and wishes for your sake, good things happen and the gospel, I love that and the gospel's sake for the sake of the gospel what does that mean? In every calling and gifting that God will give you, it will involve you being an active participant, participant in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with everybody around you. I don't care what you're called to. That will always be a priority because that's the call on our lives in the church age from the time that Jesus left to the time that he returns. He wants us to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what your calling is, doesn't matter. Get out there, share the gospel. Share it with people that are hurting and broken and damaged. That's the joy. That There's nothing that brings more joy to me anyway 
than being able to lead somebody to Christ, to share the, uh, the, the, the gift of salvation, how they can get it, what Jesus did for them on the cross, and to share my testimony. This is what Christ did for me when I received him. He changed my whole life. It's been an adventure ever since. You can have the same thing too. That's good news. Anybody can do that, can't you? Unless you're not experiencing the adventure. Unless, and typically if you're not experiencing the joy and the adventure is because you're not following. You're not following him. So it's imperative that we learn to do this. No matter what stage in your Christian walk you're at today, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus, what a blessing for you to be here today so that you can start out on a right foot today by receiving Jesus and saying, I want to follow him. I, I want to know what that crazy guy up there is talking about. For Jesus' sake and for the gospel, Romans 1 talks about the importance of the gospel. Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the good news. It's a good thing. It's an awesome thing to talk to people that are on the wrong path, living in sin and darkness of whatever kind, and to be able to share the good news with them, whether they receive it or whether they don't whether they punch me in the face or whether they shake my hand. None of those things matters, just taking his yoke on me and learning from him and walking and being a blessing and allowing the gospel for the gospel's sake to suffer for him maybe. That's okay. Doesn't matter. It's good to follow Jesus and it's a good thing to understand that. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Back to Mark. Mark chapter 8. We're going to close this chapter out here. Verse 36. For what, it will profit, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? That's a good question to ask yourself. Uh, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. It's vital that we, under, that we ask ourselves these questions. For what will it profit me if I gain the whole world and lose my own soul? Good question to ask ourselves. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
Can we buy our way into heaven? No, we can't. Jesus is the one, uh, the only one that paid the price. It's a free gift to us. How ridiculous for us not to receive a free gift that leads to eternal life. And how much more ridiculous once we know that he is the living son of God not to follow him and listen to him and heed his word. Amen? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words is in a bad position. It says the Son of God will also be ashamed of us when he comes. Spreading the gospel, sharing the good news with people that need Jesus is our calling, no matter what your specific calling is. He talks about uh, being ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. That describes today pretty well, doesn't it? What he's talking about with an adulterous generation, he's talking about believers that have accepted Christ, but they have a whole bunch of other gods that they worship as well. It might be people. It might be position. It might be money. It might be stuff and things. But we're committing adultery against the Savior, against our bride who wants to come and catch us away. It's vital that we understand what Jesus is talking about. When he speaks hard words, it's for a reason. He's not trying to hurt us or confuse us. He wants us to understand what he's saying and why it's so important that we heed his word in this generation, in this day and age. We can have many other lovers other than him. We can even be involved in sin since we believed in Christ, or maybe things that haven't been rooted out of our life yet. Since we believed, the Lord wants to set us free completely. He wants to lighten the load. Cast your cares on me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, weighted down with stuff that you don't have to be weighted down with, Jesus wants to take those weights from you. Being sold out for Jesus is a sure bet. <laughs> you can go to the casino and, and bet your money away, or you can rely on the sure bet, trusting in Jesus, giving your whole life to him, and he'll direct your path. He'll guide your steps. One last verse in closing. I don't think it's up here. Jeremiah 17. So you can write it down, look at it later if you want to. Jeremiah 17, beginning with verse 5. It gives a dividing line here. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. So to, tr so to trust in man, to trust in my own will and desires and ability, that's what the world wants us to do. Hey, 
do what you want to do. Go out and do what you want to do. You can accomplish things. It's called humanism. It's worshiping man and neglecting God. It's vitally important that we understand if that's our plot in life, it's like being planted like a shrub in a desert. There's nothing good that can come from that. But death, (laughs) you're just going to dry up. There's no moisture. There's nothing for you to receive. So it's vital for us to understand that. God doesn't want you to be a shrub in the desert. He has better things. Let's read on. Verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will stay green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. You see, it's our choice. It's our our choice. We can get our roots deep in God. We can get our roots deep in the Word of God. I think we preached a series or two on that, didn't we, Pastor Paul, over the years? (laughs) Sinking our roots deep in the Word of God, in the truth of who He is, trusting in Him, And even in drought, even in difficult times, you'll still bear fruit. You'll still bear fruit. Good things will come. He'll sustain you through difficult situations. I could tell you a gazillion stories of difficult times that me and Cheryl had gone through that the Lord sustained us supernaturally, even above and beyond what you could imagine, how he would bless and protect us because we committed our ways to him. Because we are faithful in tithing, in doing those things, He could bless us. He could. We gave Him the opportunity to get blessing to us instead of curse. Oh, we could have figured it out in our own ways. Remember uh, what Abraham did and Sarah. You're going to be the father of many nations. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and they decide to come up with their own plan to help God along. She allows him to go in uh, to her servant girl and uh, gets present, pregnant, <laughs> gets pregnant, Hagar present, pre- pregnant, not present, pregnant, <clears throat> has a baby. Then in the course of time, God tests their faith even further And God finally, at an old age, past barren age, she gets pregnant and has the son of promise. But because of their jumping the gun, it became nothing but misery for the children of Israel, even to this day. The Arab nations were born out of Ishmael, the son of the servant woman the handmaiden. And they've been a thorn in their side ever since. So it's important that we don't jump the gun on things because we could bring curse rather than blessing by going the opposite way that God has. 
God wants to get blessing to you. He really wants to bless you. He really wants your life to, uh, to thrive. He really wants you to bear fruit in every area of your life. He doesn't want you to struggle in this, that, and the other thing. He wants things to become crystal clear to you. Oh, he may not tell you what's on the horizon tomorrow, but it's good to know that he knows what your tomorrow holds. He knows what tomorrow holds. You don't. So if you trust in him, he's already got you covered tomorrow. If you're yielding today to him, and he's already got you tomorrow. If you're walking with him and trusting in him. You might be trying to figure out something for tomorrow, some way to do something in your own strength, and all of a sudden uh, things pop up tomorrow, and he says, I want you to go this way. And Whoa, well, God, I already got this worked out. <laughs> he wants to help us to be victorious and to learn to be obedient to his voice. He will never fail you. He will never fail you if you choose to follow him and walk in accordance to his will. At the end of church, who's in sound up there? Hi, dear. At the end of, of church, we're going to sing, re-sing that song close. Okay? So you can get that ready. Um, but let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word and how it can transform our lives, how it can direct our path. Lord, we want to be sheep that know your voice and follow you. We want to be those that understand and perceive that your ways are higher than ours. Your understanding goes way past ours. And Lord, you know our tomorrow. We don't. And so, Lord, we commit our ways to you today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you're online and you've listened to this and you don't know Christ, there's no better time than right now to receive him, to accept him as your Savior. It's not a difficult thing, but it can become the beginning of a journey that will transform your life forevermore. If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe you've drifted away from Him. Maybe you were walking close with Him at one time and, and you haven't made things right with Him yet. If that's you, you can pray this prayer as well as a dedication to the Lord, a recommitment to Christ. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if that's you, just raise your hand because I want to remember to pray for you. If you're online, you can put it in the comments and say, yeah, pray for me. I want to commit my ways to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, just pray this prayer with me. Father in heaven, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry that I've been doing things in my own strength, and I, I recognize that that's not right that I'm a sinner in need of you, Jesus, to be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Lord, would you wash my, my sins away in your precious blood. Lord, I'm choosing today to make you the Lord of my life. 
I choose to follow you, Jesus. I choose to walk your way from this moment all the way through the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that, I would love, and you're in the house, I would love to pray with you at the end. Uh, so feel, feel free to come up and approach me and share that with me. If you're online, please let us know as well. We have information we'd like to get into your hands and uh, to connect with you in a special way. Perhaps you're here today and you recognize that you've been maybe failing and not making right decisions, maybe as a parent, maybe as a husband or wife. Uh, you, you haven't been making right choices. And now, because of the Word of God, you recognize how critical that is to commit your ways to the Lord. Maybe you haven't been raising your children right, but you want to start. And you're not sure how. You're not sure how that's going to be taken. Don't worry about those things. Cast your burden on Him and He'll care for you. He'll take care of those details and He'll help you through it. Let's stand to our feet. And if that's you, uh, I'm going to pray over you today. If that's you that's struggling and you want to commit your ways afresh to the Lord, just stand to your feet and we're going to get into this worship in in a little bit. And I want to pray over those ones. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. Lord, ones that recognize that they haven't truly been following you. Uh, they've leaned on you, Lord God, as, uh, as, the, uh, as that one that for emergency use only, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would protect and guard and guide them as they commit their ways afresh today. Do not leave here without committing your way to the Lord. Do not leave here and say, well, uh, let me sort through that a little bit more. Don't do that. Just say, God, I yield myself today to be a follower of you as a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a dad, as grandparents as children, as teenagers, wherever you're at, choose today to follow Jesus. See, I prayed over and blessed Addie today. Maybe you didn't have a a life like she had, guarded by Christian parents that loved her and prayed over her every day. That sang worship songs and danced in their house on a regular basis. For Addie to see that and to grow up in that. And I know some of you didn't have that privilege. God loves you. And he sees sees you in all of the struggles that you had to go through. And he cares for you. He loves you so much. And he can heal you today from all the wounds of your past, all of the struggles that you've been through, all of the mistakes that you've made, Mom and Dad. Don't beat yourself up. Just choose today to commit your ways to the Lord. Don't say it's too late. It's not too late. 
So, Lord, I pray for each one in all of those different scenarios, God, that you would minister to them, that you would strengthen them in their resolve to seek you and to run after you with everything in them. Bless your word today, O God. Let it be food to our souls today, O God, to transform areas in our life that need to be transformed, that we can follow Jesus in everything that we do. In the mighty name of Jesus. Bless each one online, O God, I pray, that you would work in their lives and move by your Spirit. I believe there's one or two that are tuning in, maybe for the first time, and you've never heard something like this. Jesus loves you, and he wants to make your life new and fresh and vibrant. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, God. We lift you up and magnify your name and glorify you. And thank you that you draw us close to you. That you draw us to your side. You want us to be close. Lord, I love that about you. That our lives are hidden with Christ in God. So Lord, we come and commit our ways to you afresh in Jesus' name.